has not been broken Who here among us is without guilt or pain So oft abandoned by our transgressions If such a thing as grace exists And grace was made for lives like this There are no strangers There are no outcasts There are no orphans of God So many fallen But
Amen. Thank you, Kim, and thank you, Janet. Would you believe Janet's having vocal trouble today? She's had some kind of crud, but she's sounding great. We're so thankful. As the praise team would come down and choir, as we start to sing this morning, you can go down. Listen, I've got some good news for you. As of 8.15 this morning, Shelly Roach is a grandmother again. Uh, that's good. Ivy Jane Roach, nine pounds, eight ounces, 22 inches long, and she came with a driver's license. So, so we're excited. Let's stand together as we lift our voices to the Lord this morning.
He lavished on us His blood was the payment His life was the cause We stood neath a debt We could never afford Our sins, they are many His mercy is more Praise the Lord His mercy is more Sins they are many, his mercy is more. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this morning we are very privileged to have Brother Mike Blackwood come with us and to speak to us this morning on behalf of Christian Adoption Services. You will remember that just after the pandemic hit and we were forced online, that Kevin Qualls was with us on one of those first ones to talk to us about Christian Adoption Services. And then Kevin returned with his father uh, sometime later and spoke again. But today, we're thankful to have one of our own. And I want you to listen to him carefully. I want you to listen very carefully and ask God to speak to your life and to your heart this morning. Because next Sunday morning is Sacrifice Sunday. And we'll be doing what we normally do. We'll be centering the message around the sacrifice of Christ. And we will take up a sacrifice offering, which is our custom. And that offering will go towards Christian Adoption Services. But right now, I want you to put your hands together and welcome Mike Blackwood to the platform, if you would. Scott, this is so weird for me. Some of you understand this and some of you won't, but uh, my earliest memories as a child are in this, not this building, on this property. My faith was, was built here as a child, and so many of you impacted me uh, as a 
as a youngster. I honestly can't remember my life as a child without Popper Springs Baptist Church being a part of it. So I am so happy to be here today. Um, I, I just look around and I see so many faces and how you, how you impacted my life. And I can't thank you enough. I was called to ministry at this church. And it's just incredible to be back today. When I drove down this morning, I still have a lot of family around here, and some of you know that, but I drove around and uh, just the community for about 10 minutes, and I became emotional, just filled with joy of, of just being back in this area. So it's good to be here today, and I hope you're all doing well. I know that through the years, I've, I've heard of many of us uh, from Popper Springs have gone on to be with the Lord, and uh, I'm just thankful that there's going to be a celebration in heaven one day when we all get there and we see so many familiar faces. And one of those is your pastor, Dale Roach. Amen. Dale called me when he got to town. He was, he was, he was coming to work here as a pastor of, of Popper Springs Baptist, and he called me, and we went and had lunch together. And I looked, I, I just really enjoyed meeting Dale. He was an incredible guy. We talked about worship ministry, and we talked about discipleship, which he was so passionate about, and he shared his book with me. And, you know, it was just... Uh, what an incredible guy. And then we got back together last August. We spent about an hour together here in his office. And, and I just had such a great time there with, with Pastor Dale that day. And, and he invited me to speak today on that, that afternoon. And so I'm grateful that we, we're here. And I just want you to know that my wife, Kim, and I, every night during his sickness, called out his name before the Lord on our knees and we called out your name before the Lord on our knees, that God, would, that God would heal him, and he's healed, right? And that God would sustain this church and walk alongside you through this whole process. So um, God bless all of you for what you're going through, and you're still in our prayers today, and it is so good to be here. Some of you are saying, what is he doing working with an adoption agency? I thought Mike was a music guy, and I have been my whole life. I've, I've I've had a, all my career in music ministry, and I've been super blessed to be a part of that. And uh, in many churches uh, in the upstate and in Charlotte. So, uh, but this is a, a neat story how God brought me here. Um, and so, it's through prayer and His hand on my life and people and acquaintances with with Kevin that you heard Scott that it all came together. And I'll share some of that with you in just a minute. But I wanted to take a few minutes to give you just a quick update of all the incredible things that are happening in our ministry, Christian Adoption Services, especially in South Carolina. Just to, just to refresh your memory, Christian Adoption Services is 40 plus years old, based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. We had the opportunity five years ago um, uh, to, to expand into South Carolina. And we merged with a kind of a mom and pop agency in Rock Hill, uh, Cheryl, uh, Sharon Cole was the director there, and she came on our team. We merged with them, which licensed us to place children in South Carolina. And since then, uh, it's been incredible what God is doing here. So can I just take a few minutes to go over an overview of our ministry? I wanted to update you there just so you can see. Uh, first of all, we were able to hire this incredible guy named Mike Blackwood. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, we were able to hire me as full-time development across South Carolina. So I cover the whole state. I'm all across South Carolina. I spent all last week in Myrtle Beach and uh, meeting with pastors and business leaders, and it's been 
so uh, encouraging to do that. One of my hopes is that we, were at, we would be able to hire a DAC, which is a domestic adoption counselor, a social worker here in the upstate. We've, we've done better than that. We've hired two. We hired uh, a lady named Carla down at Myrtle Beach, and we hired a lady named Jessica. She lives up in the Chesney area, but she covers the upstate. This is so important because without those ladies on the ground doing those, the ministry that they're doing, there would be no ministry. When a, when a young girl calls our hotline and says, I'm pregnant and I want to consider adoption, they get in the car and they go visit with that girl. No matter what the situation is, and many times it's very dysfunctional and there's drugs and there's homelessness and there's so much hurt there, but they're front lines making that happen. So I'm just so thankful for Carla and Jessica and all of our DACs across North and South Carolina. Uh, This past year, we had 27 domestic adoptions. We had 10 international adoptions. We served 75 families, which means that they're in our system. They've gone through the application process and we've ministered to them. Out of 180 inquiries, we were able to engage 84 expectant moms. That means we had a conversation with them. And that's incredible. We, had, uh, we actively served 55 of those, those moms, and we placed 27 of those children. And that number continues to move because since the beginning of this year, what are we, three weeks? Ten babies have been placed through our ministry. Um, in, in April... Uh, we have our 25th annual birth moms retreat, which is phenomenal. We invite any lady who's uh, given birth to a child and placed through our ministry to come on a retreat. And we've had, through the years, um, about 30 of those ladies that we know of give their life to Christ. But we won't know until we get to heaven the impact that that's had. Another exciting thing that's happened in our ministry is we're, we... we partnered with the North Carolina Baptist Children's Home, uh, which is equivalent to our Connie Maxwell. Do y'all know about Connie Maxwell here in South Carolina? Well, we were able to connect with Connie Maxwell uh, last July and establish an official partnership with them because we want to see movement happen among foster care in our midst around South Carolina. And through that, we want to be able to assist families when the need arises for those families to be able to adopt the children in foster care. One of the incredible things that happened, we had a man come to us in Charlotte. He said, I've got this house. I'd like to donate it, and uh, maybe y'all could use it. So we looked at the house, and it really wasn't functional for anything that we could do. So we sold that property with his blessing, and we were donated another house in Thomasville, North Carolina, near the North Carolina Baptist Children's Home. And so we began to pray, what do we do with this house and we had the money there from, from the house that was donated to us in Charlotte. So we decided to create a place for aftercare. When, when a mom has her child and she has nowhere to go, or maybe she needs to escape the situation that she's in, she can come live on that property for a year or more to get back on her feet, to get a job, to be counseled by that house parent that's living there with her. So... I'm excited to say over the last six months, we've raised $300,000 to remodel that house. And that house will be ready to go this year, and we'll begin to see birth moms live there. So I think we can house six or eight ladies at a time. So that's very exciting. Pray for that. It's called the Emmanuel House. We just had our, our 
fourth annual Spartanburg banquet, and we were able to raise $25,000 here in the upstate. And I'm excited to say on February the 10th, we'll have our first ever Myrtle Beach fundraising banquet. So I hope that you'll pray for that. That is so important that 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 would go well and that we would see uh, engagement from the Myrtle Beach area. We've had many church partners engage with us, just like you guys do. You guys partner with us by letting me come here today uh, through contributions, and we're just thankful for that. But I've, I've been able to speak to or engage with about 150 pastors over the last six months across the state of South Carolina, and we're seeing that number go up. And I'm praying that through all of that, we're going to see much movement through South Carolina. And finally, for you golfers out there, we're going to have our fourth annual golf tournament at Carolina Country Club on March 28th, and I'm expecting the winner to come out of this congregation. All right. Claim it right now. I got a sign-up sheet out there, but seriously, I'd love to have you come. We, we've got a great title sponsor this year. Uh, my friend Alan Halsey, in memory of his uh, two sons that passed away and, and his uh, daughter-in-law and his son's girlfriend, all passed away the same day. So I called Alan, and he said, I'd like to sponsor your golf tournament. And um, I just think that's incredible. We're going to have a great day, March 28th. I hope you can come. So as you can see, I could go on and on and on about what's going on in our ministry, but I'm just so thankful that God has let me have a front row seat to what's happening in South Carolina. You know, I've been in music ministry my whole life. A lot of you know that, that I would, uh, I sang my first solo in that building next door. Which way is it? That way? I sang my first solo, and it was... uh, in a children's musical, and I was scared to death. But that led to a lifetime of the opportunity to be able to share through music. And I was serving as a worship pastor at Lifesong Church up the road here in, in Lyman. I'd been there worshiping executive pastor. And I got a call from my good friend Kevin Qualls on a, a sun, uh, Monday morning. And we were, we were getting ready to go into a meeting. And Kevin called me. He said, Mike, I got something to ask you. I said, well, I'm in a hurry. I'm going into a meeting. He said, well, I need you to sit down. <laughs> so I, I said, just tell me what you got, Kevin. He said, Mike, I want you to come work for us. We need you in South Carolina. Would you be interested in, in talking about this? And, you know, the inter- interesting thing about that is y'all, y'all ever heard the prayer of Jabez? You ever heard of that book? It's a little book. You can, you can read it really fast. I read it back in the late 90s. And the, the prayer basically says, um, it's about this guy in the Old Testament, very short little passage there in First Chronicles, but it, or it, it basically is him saying, God, would you increase my territory? And, and I, I don't think what he was praying is, God, give me more stuff or give me more land or give me more opportunity. I think what he was praying was, would you expand my reach for you? Would you, would you give me an opportunity to to use what I have and what you've given me to reach more people. And so I prayed that prayer in the late 90s, and and I can't even tell you the extraordinary things that God did in my life through my music ministry and and what the doors had opened there. We were able to impact many, many children all across America with songs that we were writing for Upward Sports. And and I I think about, you know, the the Scripture passage that, that the passages that are hidden in my heart today are many of the ones that I learned here today uh, through the Bible drill. And I, I, I saw John and Barb today, and I just, uh, my heart just filled with emotion because literally the, the, the scripture that's in my heart today was from those times. 
And I've taken that with me my whole life, but I had the opportunity to write songs that would help children all across America and even around the world memorize scripture passages for upward sports. And I just couldn't even believe that God had laid that in my lap. But you know, I tucked that little book aside and I just kept on with my life. Well, back in, uh, I guess, March or so, I walked into the bedroom and that book was on my nightstand. And I looked at that book and I thought, how did that get there? And and Kim, she just walked in. You're late, honey. (laughs) She works at our church, so she she ran over here. Um, I looked at that book and I said, Kim, did you put this here? She said, I didn't put it there. And, And I don't remember how the book got there, but I remember whispering this prayer and this thought just through my mind, like, why, why don't I pray this prayer anymore? Why don't I ask God to expand my reach for him? Why have I stopped doing that? I challenge you to pray that prayer today because God wants to do extraordinary things through your life. So that day I whispered that prayer, God, would you increase my territory? And just a couple of weeks later, Kevin called me. And I want to tell you that story today because I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that God wants to do extraordinary things in your life, in my life, today. He wants to use us way beyond how we're being used now, possibly. But I would say, open up yourself and say, God, how can I be used by you? So God increased my territory through a way that I never dreamed he would by bringing me to be a part of Christian adoption services. And I just think that's incredible. And I wanted to share that story today because I want to open up right now in a word of prayer. There are 153 million orphans on this planet. That's 153 million children that will wake up today and not have a forever family that they live with. Somebody to love them. And I believe that churches like Popper Springs, are we are the answer. I believe that we can make a difference. We were in a meeting with with Governor McMaster's a few weeks ago talking about this Dobbs case that's coming down from from the Supreme Court that pushes pushes the decisions about abortion rights to the states. If that happens, we're going to see many, many more babies born and lives saved. But we were in that meeting, and at the end of the meeting, a lady gets up and she she just challenged, "What, what would happen if every church in South Carolina would stand up and say, we're going to make an impact in our community by fostering children, by adopting children. We could eradicate the problem in South Carolina. If churches, if the churches that I've spoken to over the last six months would stand up, we would cut it in half if we would all say, I'll do something. So I believe, I believe that God is calling every Christian to do something. Now, maybe you're not in a situation to foster or adopt, and that's okay. But God is calling all of us to do something, to get involved, to be a part of some movement, to have a culture in your church that gets involved, that does something that helps these children who don't have a home. So I want to pray for us. I'm going to say a prayer, and I just say in your heart, you pray along with me. And ask God to move in your life today. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're so thankful that for those of us in this room who've given, our, their, 
given our hearts to you, Lord, that we live for you and you're our Savior, that, Lord, we've been adopted into your family. I pray, God, that we would live with that passion, that passion that says, I want to I be like Jesus. I want to have the heart that God has, that you have, Father, for people in need. God, would you show me today personally what I can do? Would you open my eyes to opportunity? God, we lay ourselves before you today and we want to be used. I pray, God, that you would expand the reach of this church. I pray that you would impact the reach of this church. And Lord, mighty things would happen through the people in this room right here today. For those watching online. We praise you, Father, for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you today about three things. I want to talk to you about the heart of Jesus, the hands of Jesus, and the hope of Jesus. When when we think about the heart of Jesus, I never really thought about this much, like, who is Jesus? When he was on this earth, who was he while he was here? What about him compels me to want to be like him? And so I began to study and I began to reflect on my own time in ministry. And I tell you, I spent 20 years on church staff and we spent a lot of time doing stuff, a lot of time doing things. And, you know, we, we, we planned incredible worship services and, and we created programs and opportunity for people to grow in Christ and And I look back over that time and I think, what a powerful, powerful opportunity I've had to be a part of stuff like that. But in my life, I'm talking about me. I question how much time did I spend serving the needs of the people outside of the walls of the church? How much time did I give to that? And and then I thought about how religious have I become and, and I, have to, I have to say this because I want to caution all of us that, that we have to be careful that our faith just doesn't become a religion that is doing and doing and doing. Things that maybe we think are important. But I would challenge all of us to step back and look at the life of Christ. Look at the way Jesus spent his time here on earth. And maybe that would show us some ways that we need to change the way we're doing things. We often ask the question, if our church went away today, if Poplar Springs Baptist Church went away right now, would the community miss us? We always ask that question. And I remember standing in our circle on Sunday morning praying, a group of volunteers, and occasionally we would, we would say, okay, everybody, we're facing inward right now. Why don't we turn around and let's face outward And let's hold hands and pray with our vision looking out. To me, that's a powerful picture of what the church needs to be. And and don't hear me wrong. I I think everything we do to provide opportunities for Christians to grow and for people to come to know the Lord on a Sunday morning and all those efforts are vitally important. But we have to remember how Jesus spent his time when he was here. He walked this planet. 
He walked day to day serving others. And I, I began to think about my own time when I become a, when I become a religious person and, and not really doing things because that's what Jesus would have me do, but, but I would do it because it's what I thought I was supposed to do. And, and then I came across this passage that really sums up to me the heart of Jesus. It's James 1, 27. It says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. This is simple, y'all. It's to look after orphans and widows and their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. To look after orphans and widows and to keep yourself clean and close to God. I think orphans and widows is symbolic of anyone that's in need around us. I was studying that and I came across a, a talk that Rick Warren did and, and he summed it up like this. He, he said private purity and public charity. And, and by private purity, we, we talk about this all the time. What does it look like? Who am I when nobody else is looking? And then public charity. You know, anytime we do something good now, we like to take a picture of it. Look at me, I'm doing something great, and put it on Instagram or social media. That's not what public charity is, but our, I don't think that's what that means. I think what it means is that we live a life in public where we are Christ-like. We are like-minded with him and that he was constantly searching for opportunities to care for the needs of the people around him. That is the heart of who Jesus is. He lived his life every day to not be doing things just because he was told he was supposed to do them, but he lived his life every day to show care and love and compassion to the people around him. You know, as I studied a little bit more, I came across this passage that I've heard many times. It's Matthew 25. 34 through 45. And as I read it, I want you to understand, think of it through this lens, okay? Above that passage in my Bible, it had these words, the Son of Man will judge the nations. The Son of Man will, this is how we will be judged. Picture a king, and this is Jesus telling a parable. Picture a king, and he separates the room into two groups, those on his right and those on his left. Matthew 25, 34 through 45. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whether you did it for the, one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, whatever you did for one of them, you did it for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, 
and to the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Just as when Jesus came to this earth in a manger, in a stable, the way he came was so humble. Jesus lowered himself. In this passage, he's lowering himself again to show us how to live our life with humility. In other words, he, he takes himself down to the level of people that maybe some people would look down on. And he would say, when you do something for them, you're doing it for me. And in that, he's elevating them to say, this is somebody that I care about deeply. We will be judged on how well we love people and care for people. The compassion we show to those in need around us, the value Jesus places on caring for others is so great that he says whatever we do for them, we are doing it for him. It's the same. So we should strive to be like Jesus. I want to live my life having the heart of Christ making the things that were important to Jesus the things that are important to me. Amen? Secondly, the hands of Jesus. You know, you, you look at <clears throat> what Jesus did. How did he show that compassion to others? And I want to talk about that word compassion. You know, a lot of times we show sympathy or empathy. You know, sympathy is like when you're flipping channels and you, you see needs of people on television and your heart hurts for them and then you flip the channel or empathy maybe a little deeper but I want to talk about how do we love people with compassion and I started thinking about this word compassion and compassion is when you relate to someone's situation and you want to help them you see someone in trouble and you feel like pitching in it's also different from uh, the basic concept of kindness in that the word compassion implies that you see yourself in their shoes. Compassion says, I'll do whatever it takes to help you, to give you what you need, to stop your hurting. You see the different level of, of care when we have compassion for others? And, and I can think of no greater person in the world that ever walked this planet that demonstrates compassion than Jesus Christ. All through scripture, Jesus is moved with compassion. Many times before he heals somebody or, or feeds 5,000 or does any type of miracle, before he raises the dead, these words appear, Jesus had what? Compassion. Jesus had compassion and he did this. And, and when Jesus gave his life on that cross, 
when they put the, the nails in his hands and feet, the thought that was going through his mind, the feelings, the emotion, we can never know. But we know that Jesus felt compassion. That is why he did it. Because he saw an opportunity. He could do something that only he could do. And he stepped up and did it. So his heart was to care for those in need, just like you and I. And his hands were to do something about it. So Jesus equals compassion. Jesus is compassion. Jesus is compassion to the least of these. And then finally, the hope of Jesus. There's two ways to look at that statement. What does Jesus hope for? I think about the word adoption, and I I think about what that means to you and me. Some of us, it's a foreign concept, and then some of us, it's very real. I've had conversations today with folks about their personal experience with adoption. Everybody has an adoption story. My cousin, my, you know, my children. But I think about that idea of adoption. That is the hope that Jesus has for everyone. His compassion led him to do something for you and me, to give his life in our place. And his hope through that is that you and I would come to know him, that we would be adopted into the family of God. The, the, the greatest passage that I can find, I love this passage, Ephesians 1, 3 uh, through 8. I just want to read that to you. And I, I want you to listen carefully about what it means, this idea. And I love that song, by the way, the, the song we opened up with. There, there are no orphans, right? There are no orphans in God's kingdom. Verse 3 says, Praise be to God the, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, been, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves, who is Jesus. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that he lavished on us. Now, I don't know what you take away from that, but let me tell you what I hear from it. When you and I are adopted into the family of God, when you you say, Jesus, I make you Lord of my life, when I give you everything in my life, he adopted us, and we didn't just get some of the inheritance. We got the fullness of God's grace. The riches of God's kingdom are ours. He didn't hold back. He gave us everything. And he says, when you become my child, you are my child. And I want to say this to you today, whoever you are. Because I know there are people that walk in this room today and and you're struggling maybe with with some some feelings that are hard to deal with. But I, I just want you to know that God looks at you and he says, you are wanted. You are chosen. You're an heir to all that God offers. 
I think about the story of a judge. Um, I, have, I have a friend who does adoptions, and um, I heard this story. Uh, she's, a, she's a judge, and I heard this story about a judge who had the opportunity to say, uh, in, throughout the course of his career, to, to sign a document that places uh, custody, mom and dad custody over a child. And I remember um, the story was telling about he stands, he sits in his, his uh, chambers there and he, he says to the mom and dad who are about to adopt, before I sign this paper, I, I want to ask you some questions. Do you, do you realize that when I signed this paper, this child becomes yours? Yes, sir. And do you realize that when I signed this paper, it's as if you biologically birthed this child. Yes, sir. And do you understand that when I sign this paper, this child, all the good that this child does in his life, you can celebrate as your child. Yes, sir. And do you understand that all the bad things that this child may do in its life, you take responsibility as this child's parent. Yes, sir. And he signed the paper and walked down and hugged them all and said, I'm adopted. Thank you for what you're doing. I love that story because it is a beautiful picture of how God looks at me and you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what you bring to the table, all the baggage and the ugliness and the sin and the hurt and the struggle. Whatever you bring to the table, God looks at you and says, you're mine. I choose you. When Kevin was here, I spoke with him last week, and he, he told me that he told you guys a story about Baby Z. Baby Z was a child that was born in Columbia. Uh, he couldn't share a lot of the details then because we hadn't closed the case yet. So that, that is a final adoption now. Baby Z was born in Columbia to a young lady who decided, for whatever reason, that she couldn't take care of Zayden because of his extreme medical conditions. And, and this family, their story is so incredible. They had two biological children many years ago, and their son, they woke up one day, and their son had passed away and, and, and in his crib, a terrible thing. But through that, God began to move in their life to say, I've got something bigger and something better for you. So they began to look at adoption, and they adopted uh, three children from the Philippines, siblings. And then uh, they had another opportunity to adopt a little girl named Asher. Asher was born with terrible, terrible illness. She was born without a, a stem in the back of her brain. They gave her hours to live, maybe a week. She was in hospice care, but, but Christian Adoption Services, along with that family, we began to do everything we could to make sure that that little girl, Asher, had a home to live in, a family, before she passed away. So within just a few hours, that adoption happened. And Asher was their daughter. Asher lived with them for four years. And then she passed away. But what that did changed everything in their life. You talk about God expand my territory, expand my, my influence, my opportunity 
to minister for you. When we heard about baby Z, baby Zayden, they were the first family that we thought of. I got a little video. This is kind of a follow-up. I want you to watch this about baby Zayden. Go ahead. We knew after Asher that we would be saying yes to any children coming to our home. But God hadn't released us yet to adopt at that moment. So we waited on his timing. And then on July 3rd, 2020, we got a phone call. Hi, Joy. This is Marsha Hancock with Christian Adoption Services. I was just calling you and your husband to uh, run a scenario by you about a possible... um, Well, it's a a place that we have, and I wanted to, you know, just run the scenario by you and uh, let you guys be thinking about it and praying about it. He has Down syndrome. And I said, okay. She said, but he has a really severe heart condition. And so... um, and he was born missing some anatomy for his GI tract. And I said, is that it? <clears throat> and um, she said, yeah, that, that's it. I said, then, then he's our son. The answer is yes. It was an immediate yes. I want to pause it right there for just a second. Did you hear what he just said? It was an immediate yes. Isn't that the way God looks at you and me? He doesn't have to think about all of our issues and the stuff that we bring in that's baggage and terrible stuff. But he looks at us, and it's an immediate yes. And it's been 15 months that Zayden has been part of our family. And... The medical journey were challenging, but he is such a blessing to our family. And we all love him tremendously, all of us. He is number nine of our family. And we don't know what God's going to do, but I've heard rumors around this home that 10's a nice round number. I got to meet Zayden and hold him for a minute, and he's got a long road ahead of him, but isn't it incredible that he's been adopted into a home? I wish I could show videos of every story that that come uh, through our office. Uh, There's no way, but every story has its own powerful um, ending and beginning and follow through, and so I just encourage you today, ask God, what can I do? There are several ways you can partner with us. Um, You can pray for us. Pray for our domestic adoption counselors. The calls they get are so difficult. Pray for um, our leadership in our international program with the Philippines and the Czech Republic. You can pray for them. Great needs there with COVID. It's, It's a nightmare. But we still have families going. 
And they're getting stranded for two more weeks maybe. But they're coming back with their children. Pray for our impact across North and South Carolina. And as we look to venture out into other states, pray for that. Maybe you're a family or you have family who you're interested in adopting. We would love to talk to you about that. And finally, any contributions that we receive go to help us move this ministry forward. We believe in life. We are pro-life. We are pro-life pre-born and after these children are born. We want to give them life, eternal life. Our mission statement is we want to build the kingdom of God by connecting vulnerable children with Christian homes, two-parent mom and dad homes. That's our mission statement, and we will never change that. We will always do that. I thank you so much. I thank you for this sacrifice Sunday coming up. What an incredible opportunity to bless Christian Adoption Services, and I'm so grateful. And and maybe, maybe God's moving in your heart today about your own walk in your own life. If you're not adopted into the kingdom, he takes you right now just the way you are. Can I pray for you? Lord Jesus, thank you for today. We love you so much. Thank you, God, that we are not looked at through a lens of what we've done, but we're looked at with love and compassion. God, I pray for the people in this room who, who are uh, maybe walked in today and, and don't know you in a personal way. I pray, God, that today you would, you would move in their lives. Lord, show them how life can be different with you. God, I pray that this church will continue to impact this community the way it always has. I thank you for their impact on my life. And I pray, God, that it would just continue in a way that they never dreamed. Pray that you would bless them in their search for a pastor. Lord, I pray that you would bring the person that needs to be here. We lay it all in your hands, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we stand to sing, I'm going to ask Mike and Kim if you would go to your table. And Joey, if you would go to the... um, foyer also. Mike has already given an invitation today. You know, for a couple of weeks on our Wednesday night meeting, we've been talking about the goodness of God, and today we've added compassion. I pray that God has touched you today. I pray that you'll remember that next week as you come to give to Christian Adoption Services. But today, if you're not a member of the family of God, there's no better time. Wouldn't you like to give your life to Christ today. Let's stand together as we sing. Spread.
you please be seated for just a moment? I'd like to recognize uh, Brother Bud Babb. This is normally when we say we're about to have a church conference, but this is really just going to be very brief. I think you want to hang around to hear this. So we call us a church into conferences this time, and I recognize Mark Brown. Good morning. I want to share one of my favorite verses with you, Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I have great news for you today. On behalf of the church council, I would like to ask for you to pray specifically for our transitional pastor, Ken Forrester. Ken will begin his ministry here on February 6th. He was saved on June 11th 1978 and was called into the ministry at the age of 18. He has served a total of 41 years in ministry in the roles of youth pastor, senior pastor, and currently he serves as the South Carolina Baptist Convention Director of Church Development and Pastoral Care. He is married to Pat, his wife of 38 years. And we just saw a video about a large family. Well, the Foresters have a large family. They have eight children, Seth, Stephen, Sarah, Silas, Samuel, Simeon, Sean, and Susanna. Do you get it? They all begin with S. All of this family have graduated from or are studying at North Greenville University. In addition, Ken was a longtime friend of Dale Roach. 
Ken first served in the Indian Trail area near Lancaster, where Dale and Shelley lived for many years. You might ask why Ken's title is transitional pastor. Let me give you a definition of that. A transitional pastor differs from an interim pastor. The role of the interim pastor is often viewed simply as someone who will preach when a pulpit is without a pastor. A transitional pastor does more than simply fill the pulpit. The transitional pastor ministry is a guided process that prepares a congregation to receive a new pastor. This process is a proven path that leads us down the road. It builds unity, heals hurts, promotes fellowship, and focuses on the mission of the church. We encourage you to pray specifically for Ken as he and Pat come to lead us down the road to find our new senior pastor. 1 Thessalonians 4.10 says, pray without ceasing. Let us do that, friends. Let us continue to fulfill our mission statement of connecting upward to God, inward to each other, and outward to our communities. And let us build disciples by doing that. Thank you, and may God bless you, our church, our staff who have been so faithful, and Pastor Ken and his wife, Pat. Thank you. I would add that the entire church council actually met with Ken and uh, were duly impressed. And I think we hit a home run with this. Can I get a motion to adjourn? Second. All in favor? We're done. Let me, let me pray. Settle down, people. You can't get a seat anyway at the place you're going. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for Michael and the service that they do, Lord. It's a blessing. It's a gift. We thank you for them, and we pray that you would help us to support them. Lord, we thank you for Ken, who is coming on board. We pray that we would all lift up each other. We praise your name. We thank you, Lord, for watching over us and caring for us, being the lover shepherd that you are. Go with us as we leave this place. Keep us safe. We praise your name. Amen.